Welcome to the Potter's House Salmon Arm Podcast. We are a Bible-believing church located in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. We are proudly part of the Christian Fellowship Ministries with 3,000 churches around the world. We are a church focused on world evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Here we will share recent sermons from PHSA Church and other sermons from throughout our fellowship. I am Pastor David Bickford, and I will be your host for this podcast. I thank you for listening today, and we hope these messages are a blessing to you and bring you closer to God. Hello, and welcome to the PHSA uh, podcast. My name is David Bickford, and I am the pastor of the Potter's House in Salmon Arm, British Columbia. And so this morning, my message is going to be on habits. And this is something that I ended up turning into a series. So this is habits part one. So we're going to be looking at hitting the snooze button or procrastination and sloth. So let's dive in this morning. My morning routine is is full of battling with my nature, right? You hit the snooze button. And this power of the snooze button, it can control us, right? It can have a hold over us. And we all we all know this battle, you know, fairly well. I mean, unless you're, you know, one of the type of people that can wake up without an alarm clock and then immediately just run into their your day and just take it over and dominate. Then congratulations to you. But I think that even, even someone like like myself, which most people would think that that is me. They think, oh, this guy gets up pretty early. Like right now when I'm recording this, it's it's about five o'clock in the morning. I've been up for about a half hour. But the reality is, is that every time I wake up, I have to, I have to, you know, really get myself, you know, focused on the reason why I'm getting up at a certain time or the reason why I'm pushing forward through the tiredness or through the exhaustion of our day-to-day lives. So unless, again, you're one of those superhero level people with like discipline, we all fall victim to this snooze button. And this is just one example that we can all, you know, relate to in our lives, whether it's, you know, whether it's the snooze button or whether it's, you know, you've had a rough day at work or you've had a tiring day with the kids. And you just think, oh, well, I just want to sit and relax for a little bit. And maybe that's it. Maybe just that sitting down and relaxing for like five minutes turns into 15 minutes or 20 minutes. Maybe that's something that we all can battle with is in our day-to-day lives. There are countless other times though, when we find, we'll find any other excuse to procrastinate or to move slowly on purpose. Maybe it's because we don't like doing a certain task or chore. Maybe it's we don't want, we, we're, we're not looking forward to what comes next in our day. There are countless times where this can take place and we'll procrastinate or we'll allow laziness or idleness to take control in our lives. Our text that we're going to be looking at this morning is going to be Matthew 25. We're going to look through quite a bit here. It's going to be a, a whole section of uh, scripture in, in verses 1 through 46. And the reason being is because in Matthew 25, Jesus gives us two examples of sloth and procrastination. It's the parable of the ten virgins and the ten virgins. And that's in verses 1 through 13. And then they have the, the parable of the talents in 14 through 30. And then ultimately the final judgment in verses 31 through 46. And that's there's a that's a reason why we're going to look at these things, is we're going to look at each of these you know, parables. 
but we also need to look at the reason why you know we need to fight against this this part of our nature which brings me to my first point which is the battle against nature so some definitions of procrastination are the act of putting off or delaying or deferring an action for a later time. So what are some other words that we can use to describe procrastination? Well, delay, hesitation. I like this word. It sounds really cool. Is dilatory, dilatoriness or conjunction, filibuster. Filibuster is great because they actually use that word still in like U.S. government, you know, for when the Senate is discussing a topic and the other side of the uh, the aisle doesn't like the topic or doesn't want the 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 you know legislation to be passed what they'll do is they'll filibuster and back in the old days what filibuster meant with the with the senate was that the person who was going to filibuster had to stand up in front of the senate and they had to talk without break until you know for the length of time they wanted to filibuster so there was some hemming in on what it meant, but it, it's still a pretty interesting word. So if you're gonna if you're gonna put that in our daily context, when you're when you're arguing with someone, with the only point of that arguing is to put off what task is meant to be done, then you're filibustering that person. So it's kind of it's kind of a neat interesting word. Another word would be dawdling or vacillation. So vacillation is similar to filibuster in the sense that if you know what has to happen next, but you're like, well, should I do it this way? Should I do it that way? Should I do it this way again? Or maybe to try it a different way today? Well, that vacillating could also be used as a, as a description of paralysis by analysis. Sometimes we'll, we'll tend to procrastinate by overthinking the issue rather than just getting to work and getting done with what needs to be done. So Sloth is a similar word, but it's it's not it's not exactly the same. So I want to define that a little bit too. So sloth is an inclination not to do work or not to engage in activities. Where like you know, I, like I mentioned, and paralysis by analysis is you you overthink the issue. You really want to get something done, but you you're too much of a perfectionist or something. So similarly, like we're putting these videos out is very very challenging for someone like myself because I tend to overthink you know, what I'm doing and, you know, is the lighting okay? Is my voice or audio sound perfect? And it becomes a, an issue of analysis or paralysis by analysis rather than, you know, wanting to, you know, delay. Whereas slothfulness is the inclination to not want to do work for the sake of not doing work. So that would be laziness or indolence, uh, idleness, sluggishness, inactivity, or like, I like this one because they actually use inertia and meaning that, an object that's not in motion tends to not you know, tends to want to stay you know, not in motion, whereas an object in motion wants to stay in motion. Right? Uh, another another word would be lethargy, and the best of these would be apathy. So, why does apathy have something to do with with uh, slothfulness? Well, it's simple. Like you literally just don't have enough compunction, or you don't have enough care to want to accomplish a goal. So that therefore you're happy in your slothfulness. So what are the differences? Well, Dr. Neil Burton, a psychiatrist, philosopher, and writer wrote an article about what the difference is between procrastination and laziness. Are you a procrastinator or just a lazy bones? In his article, he touches on this with some key points. 
A person is lazy if their motivation to avoid efforts trumps their motivation to do the, the right, best, or expected thing. To postpone a task for constructive or strategic purposes does not amount to procrastination. Procrastination is defined as poor or ineffective planning of a task that results in higher overall costs for the procrastinator. He continues with, we are being lazy if we're able to carry out some activities we ought to carry out, but are disinclined to do so on account of the effort involved. Instead, we remain idle, carry out the activity perfunctorily, or engage in some other less strenuous or boring activity. In short, we are lazy if our motivation to spare ourselves effort trumps our motivation to do the right or best thing. All right, so some other synonyms of laziness as we touched on is indolence. Indolence derives from the word Latin or indolentia, meaning without pain or without taking trouble. To procrastinate comes from the Latin word crass, meaning tomorrow, which is to postpone one's task to in favor of another or others that are perceived as being easier or more pleasurable, but which are typically less important or urgent. To postpone a task for constructive or strategic purposes does not amount to procrastination. For postponement to amount to procrastination has to represent poor or ineffective planning and result in a higher overall cost, as I mentioned. For example, in the form of stress, guilt, or lost productivities or lost opportunities. So again, when I was talking about you know even filming videos or or putting these these podcasts together, the issue of making sure everything is perfect to the point of actually not hitting the record button would mean that I'm I'm feeling you know some stress or some guilt and I'm losing productivity and when I should just get things get things moving. It's one thing to delay like a tax return until all the numbers are in, but it's quite another thing to delay it so that it upsets holiday plans and get ends up getting you a fine when you file your taxes. Both the lazy bones and the procrastinator lack motivation, but unlike the lazy bones, the procrastinator aspires and intends to complete the task under consideration. And moreover, eventually he does complete it, but completes it at a higher cost. So let's dive into the word of God as we look at the biblical wisdom is against sloth and laziness. We're going to pick up our text in Matthew 25, verses 1 through 46. So the first one is the parable of the ten virgins. At In verse 1, at the time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil and jars with their lamps. The bridegroom was, was long in coming, and they became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here is the bridegroom, come and see, or come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both of us. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom had arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him in the wet, to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later others came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I truly tell you, I do not know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you don't know the day and the hour. In this first parable from Jesus, we see the choice being made. One choice was to, was to be prepared and, and ready and waiting for the appointed hour. The five virgins had everything at the ready, and this was extremely familiar to me as, as a 
as an old military adage that we used to use all the time, which is hurry up and wait. Meaning you hurry up and get everything ready, all your preparations, but you had to understand that you, you'd likely be waiting for a while or a long time until your, your entire unit is ready to go. An example for that would have been when we, when we deployed to Japan or we deployed to Iraq or even in boot camp. There were lots of times where you got all your stuff ready because you didn't want to be the one holding people up. But then when you did get ready, you were going to be like, oh, okay, go sit over there and wait for a few hours for everything else to be completed. So the virgins who chose to be idle, though, they lost their opportunity. And since they were not ready, they were unable to partake and were left behind. We can often make this mistake and be left behind in our jobs or even in our ministry. Going back to that military idea, if you were to be you know, so unprepared that you missed a movement like a deployment, you could that could land you in the brig. So it's very important to, to make sure that you are not putting off what needs to be done today. So the question is, were they just procrastinating or were they lazy? I don't believe in that in our Christian lives, that there's a distinction that is all that necessary, whether it's sloth, which is apathy, or procrastination, which is lagging or delaying. The result is often the same. You can end up being left behind. In Proverbs 12, 24, it says, diligent hands will rule, but the lazy, but the laziness ends in forced labor. In Proverbs 26, 15, a sluggard buries his hands in the dish, but he's too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. These are pretty, you know, scary, you know, Proverbs or, or you know, pieces of scripture because the first one, Proverbs 12, 24, talking about laziness ending in forced labor, that really resonates with my idea about the, the military. If you miss a movement, you could end up in the brig. And when the brig or the brig is military prison, that usually includes forced labor. So the next parable is the parable of the talents. And we pick up again in verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold to another one bag. All right. Sorry. Five bags of gold to another two and to another one bag. Greek, five talents, two talents, one talent. Also through this parable, a talent was worth about 20 years of days of a day laborer's wage. Okay. So each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey and we pick up again in 16. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole and put, hid it in the ground. He hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned to settle accounts with them. The man who received five bags of gold brought the other five. The master, he said, you had trusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained you five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained you two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold, master, he said, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where others or where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seeds. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. 
His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvested where I had not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they what they have will be taken from them. And throw the worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God wants and expects us to use every opportunity that he provides us. Even though the third service did not steal the money, the sin was missing the mark by being unproductive. There was also a bit of pride there also. He felt it safer to risk nothing because the master is mean. Even though there was a safe option that would have brought forth a little bit of fruit. By putting it in the bank, he could have received some interest back. It would have still been a lazy end, but it would have produced some reward. The other example of this call from God can be seen from Paul in Ephesians and Peter in his epistle. In Ephesians 5, 15, it's a, uh, 15 through 19, it says, Be careful, then, how you live, not as an unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the day is evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. In 1 Peter 4, 7-11, through 11, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert, be sober-minded, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have to re received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so who speaks ver the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever. Amen. So this brings us to the final judgment. So as we read the last bit of this chapter, we pick up again at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him will sit on his glorious throne, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. The king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed on my Blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was, a, I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes to clothe you? When did we see you sick or in person to go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. And I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. 
I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in a prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. In Proverbs 23, it says, it, for the drunkard and glutton will come to poverty and slumber with, clo- with clothes, or and slumber will clothe them with rags. In Proverbs 13, it says, a sluggard, sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. This brings me to the end of my close, which is the godly call. So what do we do? This is what we do. We know from the scriptures in Colossians 3, 23, whatever you do, work with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for a human master. In Proverbs 10, 4, it says, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. So what you do is you start small, right? These are pretty simple steps. You continually move forward in your in your faith of God. But you start small. You pray. You read your Bible. Find a good, strong church to lock into that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. That allows you to build momentum. And then you can start picking a habit to change. And as you pick those habits to change, one at a time, you stack those wins. There's a tool um, that that I've learned to use, which is called the power list, which is basically you have your goals for every day and no more than five to eight typically. But as you, as you go through your day and you check off those goals that you have for your day, you stack those wins so that if you win, if you win the day, great. You you won that day. If you win more days out of the week, then you've won that week. If you win more weeks out of the month, then you've won that month. And winning builds momentum. And as you continue on in your walk with Christ, as you continue on in faith with uh, the faith, you mentor others. You bring others in to be involved with what you're doing so that they can continually grow themselves. In 1 Corinthians 4, 14 through 17, we get, a, we get Paul's appeal and a warning. It says, I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my ways in the life of Jesus of Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. So the reality is, is that we have to become an example to others as we grow in our faith. And as we grow to be less lazy, as we grow to be you know, more caring or less apathetic, as we grow to be you know, more successful and accomplishing the goals that we put before ourselves, we lose, we lose that procrastination. We lose that. We can pray against that spirit of procrastination or slothfulness, and we can grow in Christ. And as we grow in Christ, we become an example to others to, that see us change from what we were to what we are. And that's the whole purpose of Christianity is to is to leave behind the old man, to leave behind who we were and to become more in Christ. Salvation is a free gift that can be given today. But after salvation comes, then we can grow to be more like Christ. So if I could have every head bowed, every eye closed quickly. 
I just want to quickly give an opportunity if you're not saved for you to, and but this, but this message has spoken to you that you can be saved in an instant. And it's very simple. It's a simple prayer like this. It said, dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, and he died for me on the cross and he rose again. I repent or I turn away from my sin and I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I thank you for the gift of salvation in Jesus name. Amen. That simple prayer takes you from death into life. And now you can move forward in Christ and learn to put aside slothfulness, laziness and continue to grow. So thank you for the time the, for the listening to this message. I hope it's helped you. And I, I give all praise and honor to God. And I thank you again. Listen to the PHSA Potter's House Salmon Arm Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Potter's House underscore Salmon Arm to keep up to date on what we are doing. Join the conversation and discover how Jesus Christ can revolutionize your life.